hello everyone. Welcome to another TreeSeal podcast. I'm pleased to have our chief strategist Jerry Salaya with me again. Today I want to talk about a market that um, a lot of people may not have been paying attention to, even though it's an important developed market. I'm going to talk about Japan. Now, as we all know, Japan is under the economic headline of fighting against deflation for decades, and they're one of the first government to use quantitative easing. So, Jerry, maybe as a quick reminder to our audience, what have been happening over the last couple of decades? What caused these problems in Japan? Yeah, James, I think. There's lots of lots of different reasons that economists point to, but just to put it in perspective, during the 1980s, it was a great time to be in Japan. The stock market boomed like four times in in uh, in value, mm. and by 1989, 1988, if you remember, and maybe maybe many of our podcast listeners don't, there were all sorts of commentaries about how strong Japan was in terms of the yen and prosperity. So yeah. I think the joke was that you could lay down an open newspaper somewhere in Tokyo, and that was worth more than you know that little bit that the newspaper covered was worth more than the entire city of Manhattan. It's just <laughs> one of those bizarre things where you go, "What? This can't be true!" And then the bubble burst in '89, uh, '90. You saw the Bank of Japan, you know, basically tighten the screws, and the stock market collapsed,、mm. and that was the end of that. And We had the lost decade, then it became the lost two decades, and now it's the lost three decades as far as growth is concerned. And it's one of those things where we can look at it and say there's a huge gap in the output or the net output gap, where Japan has the potential to actually do so much in terms of GDP and growth, yeah, but it just、yeah. doesn't happen. And one、yeah. of the factors has been, in many people's views, the yen has been quote unquote too strong compared to neighboring currencies. And the, Jap-、uh, the Bank of Japan did actually try to tighten rates once, and it didn't work too well. So, therefore, as you pointed out, they're one of the first central banks to、um, embark on quantitative easing, and they also had negative rates, I think, before anybody else,、um, or the major central banks, anyway. And it's one of those things where all of these things haven't worked because we've had 30 years where they haven't really been able to say inflation, if you think of it as a good thing, is back at a you know two percent or whatever sort of rate. That a central bank may want to peg it to,、yeah. and you haven't seen the stock market recover in a meaningful way on a sustained basis.、Yeah. Now this is going to be puzzling for a lot of our listeners because we're used to looking at the U.S. where the stock market has basically been going up since you know end of World War II, end of the 1970s, early 80s. You know, pick a pick a moment in time, and you'd struggle to find a sustained bear market in the U.S. or a stagnant market. You know, we had a bit of it in the 70s. And everybody remembers that, but it was only a couple of years. It wasn't three decades of sideways trading or negative trading.、Mm-hmm. In Japan, if you went there and tried to tell people, put all your money in the stock market, and you'll get paid dividends and growth, and you can retire in 30 years, they'll look at you and go, "Well, if I'd done that in any 89, I'd still be broke, right?" So、mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's anomaly as far as the markets are concerned, in terms of what's happened to this major economic stock market over time.、Mm-hmm. Now. Is that changing now? And that's one of the things we've debated back and forth. Yes, yes, we, yes. We've liked Japan for a long time in terms of you know what it could do,、mm. but we were very aware of the fact that the currency was killing your returns,、yeah. and that's that's what's the story of the last year and a half or two years. 
is the Japanese yen went from, you know, around 103, 102 and a half yes. to knocking on 150, which is great if you're long dollars. But if you bought Japanese assets, you're long of Japanese assets, you basically warn that huge negative return on the currency. I so, see. But why yes, is the yen so weak? What well, we just talked about the Bank of Japan and what they're trying to do. So, yeah. yes, they're, they're effectively, uh, what we're all pointing to is the yield curve control program. And what they said is, look, 10-year bond yields are not going to rise above 0.25%. Yeah. And now, for the people who don't follow Japan closely, the Bank of Japan has been very aggressive in the markets for over 10 years now, I think. So they're one of the biggest holders of stocks through ETFs and other mechanisms. Yes. They're one of the biggest holders of bonds. Yes. And, you know, they're basically propping up the economy. And you can, yeah. again, look at this, you know, from, from an, any sort of, you know, free market, capitalist, libertarian, whatever way you want to look at it. And you see, this is a lot of government intervention in the markets, which is going back to the 1990s potentially propping up you know remember the zombie companies and all that stuff we we went through where mm -hmm. instead of going bankrupt and you know wiping the slate clean and starting again with a vigorous and vibrant sort of economic you know dynamism they were more interested in making sure that you know no company went bust and people didn't get unemployed and people could go to the office and work mm -hmm. that doesn't give you profits that doesn't give you the margin growth that doesn't give you the animal spirits that we traditionally look for when we're trying to buy stocks that go up right it also doesn't pay you dividends um which we look for when we try to look for stocks that okay maybe yeah. the value isn't going up but at least you're getting a divvy payment of you know that that beats a bond or money market rate I so see. it's one of those things where there's a lot of reasons to hold japanese companies because they make good things good products everybody uses them yeah yeah we all know but, you know, stock market performance has been woeful. Back yeah. in the early 2000s, I was actually, you know, speaking with a fund manager in Edinburgh who uh, specialized in Japanese shares. And I was doing my best to talk about an upside breakout. And they just looked at me and said, we have gotten so used to trading a range that we don't even believe upside breakouts occur anymore. Yeah. And, you know, you go through stock yeah. after stock after stock. And these guys are saying, we're happy to buy it, but then we're happy to sell it if it goes up. None yeah. of this, you know, hold it for 10 years, 10 bagger stuff that you hear about American fund managers. It was all very much about eking a living by playing the range. Now, this could be, and our view has been that this changed and, mm -hmm. and the range broke. And we've seen that, you know, many of the stock market indices in Japan work higher. And, and I think our view is that they probably continue to do well. But, 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 but will the yen recover? And that's, that's a story that we're talking about now is now that we're yen 150, right? So one dollar buys 150 yen. We are taking the view that the Bank of Japan intervention, I think it's what, 40 billion dollars so far, maybe a little bit more than that, where they try to lean against the yen selling and create two-way risk in the interbank market. That's the first signal that maybe, you know, we're close to a peak in dollar yen. Mm -hmm. The next signal that, you know, you, me and John Carver, our chief economist, are looking for would be any sort of substantive chain change in the Bank of Japan's policy. And that's going to be tricky because if they do change, then you're going to see the market move pretty fast. And the key things you want to see them change, in our view, would be to try to normalize the bond market operations to some degree. In other words, loosen or abandon the yield curve control program if they can. And then mm -hmm. the JGB find its own level, which may be 0.5, maybe 1%. 
So you still have a dollar advantage, you know, because that's a differential that's causing some of the flow. Yeah. But more importantly, it's expectation that that differential will remain high. So as soon as you start hammering away at that expectation that the interest rate differential will remain high, then I think you'll see dollar yen drift towards a more reasonable range for the Bank of Japan. Now, reasonable range might be 130 to 120. They're not going to complain there. They don't care, right? But mm. 160 to 180, they really don't like that yeah. uh, for lots of different reasons. One is we could always talk about uh, it helps inflation go up, which is good. But if it starts to make people invest less in Japan, and if it starts to question, you know, the, the, how can they actually service these loans and all that sort of stuff when your currency is being crushed, then it's one of those things where the Bank of Japan would rather not see that happen. Mm. What do you think the likelihood of Bank of Japan changing its policy? Obviously, very high. You, I, yeah. I do think it's very high. Now, okay. keep in mind, in the 1980s, I, I, when I worked at a different firm, we were writing market commentaries on Tellerate and Reuters and stuff. And I hammered away at the Bank of Japan for pursuing the wrong policy then as well. So it's one of those things where, you know, they're, they're an easy target to look at and say, you are doing the wrong thing. But, you know, will they actually change? I, I think they'll yeah. have to. Because unless they want to see dollar yen trading at 180 or higher, then they will at some stage need to change what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Just a change of perception of interest rates. Um, and it makes sense. I mean, the Japanese economy is, you know, coming out of COVID okay. Yes, they're, they're a huge importer of commodities. That's one of the things we've talked about. Yeah. But they seem to be managing that okay. And they put it this way. It's a well-known problem that they yes. have. Yes. So so they, it's not like a shock, an energy shock or a big supplier shock. They're saying, yeah, we need to source oil. We need to source our energy from other places. And we need to potentially, you know, do more with nuclear. I mean, after yeah, Fukushima, yeah. They, they had a big problem after the big earthquake. Yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. one of those things where the reality of life is that, you know, nuclear power is there for a reason, right? Yes, yes. But... <clears throat> How about this argument? Because a lot of my uh, old colleagues kept saying this, uh, and some prior investors also have this view. Most of the Japanese companies actually are exporters. Think about the Sony, the yeah, Toyota. Yeah. So a weekend is good for them. Yes, but that changed in the early 90s through mid 90s. Because remember, they outsourced many of their factories. Mm -hmm. So actually, you know, Japan Inc. When we think about it, we have to think of Malaysia, we have to think of Thailand, we have to think of China, we have to think of everywhere that they basically set up factories and production facilities. Yes. And it's, it, yeah, it, I guess we have to think of Georgia and parts of the US as well. It, it's one of those things where, yes, Japan does export a lot, but the other currencies are so important. I've talked to Japanese corporate entities throughout my career. And they just want to know everything against the yen, including all the cross rates. So you mm. have to look at Thai baht versus yen. Korean yuan, Korean won versus yen is so huge to them. Yes, in terms of competitiveness, yes. in terms of flow, yeah, everything. Mm. You know, yeah. so so it's one of those things where yes, yen weakness, quote unquote, helps. But the reality of it is, it's a bit more complicated. I see. I remember that always in history now that the previous prime minister. Uh, try to do his three arrows. That's uh, right. Yeah, obviously, sadly, he has been, well, he he, he resigned and then uh, Abe and he also get assassinated uh, earlier this year. 
why it didn't work then? I thought that it worked for a little while. I remember those days and uh, I did allocate some of my clients, uh, my previous clients, investment in Japan have been working relatively okay. Was it politics or what else is affecting the, the, the I, I think when you talk to people who really look at Japan, one of the things that they will point out to you is demographics. And that's something we don't think too much about over here or yeah. in the US, but we probably should. And demographics are the, you know, we, we know the story. The population's aging um, and they're actually physically running out of people, right? Hence the move to robotics and stuff. And you can make the case that if you don't have a vibrant society, you know, striving to get jobs, striving to get that Starbucks coffee, striving for the promotion and all that sort of stuff. Instead, if you have people looking for retirement, saving, 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 not spending, then no matter what you do at the government level, you know, including the three arrows or anything else, you're not going to move people mm. from saving to consuming. I know this sounds horrible because, you know, I think even the Bible says you should be a saver, right? Mm. But economies rely on consumer. Yeah, we rely on consumption. The U.S. economy is basically powered by people going shopping to mm. a large degree. I know that there's lots of different words about it, but that's why we look at retail sales and the consumer, their savings and how much they're actually spending. Mm. In Japan, okay. we never saw that bump. And, and it's one of those weird things. You and I can talk with John, our, our chief economist, and I will bring up the point that personally, I think deflation is not that bad of a thing because the idea of not buying a 70 inch TV screen or whatever size they are these days and instead waiting for the price to drop by 10 to 20 percent next year, which is what the Japanese are used to. Where's it? Where's the harm? Right. For the from the consumer point of view. So, mm. you know, as opposed to I will have to pay 10 percent more to buy a car next year than this year or I'll have to pay 10% more to buy my, you know, air fryer or whatever I'm buying. Mm -hmm. that, that's ingrained in our culture to some extent, right? Prices go up. Yeah. And, you know, economists will say with the improvement in, you know, the TV, whatever makes it worthwhile. I would say, you know, I can see the benefits of living in a place where the price goes down every year, right? Mm -hmm. Interesting, Will. So in summary, obviously Japan had this problem, asset overvalue, bubble, correction, it burst. Japan of Japan try to intervene, keep uh, probably, uh, you, like you said, a lot of zombie companies good, uh, going on. And uh, this round of dollar strength didn't help them. Uh, yen was very weak. You're looking, hopefully, the Bank of Japan to change policy. So should we actually, so I think of two things, Dash. If I haven't invested in Japanese equities at all, should I move now? Uh, or should I wait for other signals like the Bank of Japan change of policy? That's number one. The question two will be if I already own Japanese equity, what should I do? Okay, let's let's address the first one first. And when we look at dollar yen, remember there's two sides to the currency or even sterling yen. And the key thing is, is the Fed closer to a peak in his, you know, the, in the rate hikes, the terminal rate, or is it set to do you know a lot more? Our view is that we're much closer to a peak now. We might see four and a half, there's risk of five percent. Mm -hmm. But you know what? We're at 375 for you know, the range is 375 to four. Mm -hmm. We're a heck of a lot closer now than we were 10 months ago, right? When, mm -hmm. when the, before the Fed started raising rates from zero. So we see a lot of that's already happened. So dollar yen is no longer at 110 where it was at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. It's near 150. So it's priced in a lot of that already. Mm -hmm. So if the Fed does signal in 2023 
or even into you know 2024 that the close that they've peaked uh, the rate hikes and they're basically going to pause for a while and they have an eye to pivot to lower rates if they have to right but mm -hmm. you know we're looking for them to pause rather than pivot and the bank of japan says look we're going to loosen up we're going to let bond yields go up to let's say 0 0.5 whatever mm -hmm. then i think you're going to have the conditions for dollar yen to come back down to 130. Mm -hmm. now the problem with trying to play currency markets and equities is that currency markets can move either very very, very glacially and you never notice it or very fast like what we saw with brexit and what we saw with the swiss yes. national bank in 2015 where overnight you get a 10 percent move 15 percent move and that was it right so i would say if you're not in japan now have a serious look at it because yeah we, we have that market mantra that the market goes up you know the topics the nikkei goes up when the yen softens but there's also examples where the market holds up or even rallies even as the yen is doing well so mm -hmm. i i wouldn't say throw the dart at strong yen market collapses yeah strong yen and market consolidates would work out pretty well for an investor who goes in now in my view okay. now if you look out for investors who are already in japan like like i am and i'm sure you are as well still it's one of those things where patience may be rewarded mm -hmm. where a strong yen may give us the extra 10 15 percent and the stock market holds up or even improves that's a sort of my core view at the moment mm -hmm. is that japan's going to do okay and if okay. the yen stabilizes or comes back, then I think investors should do it right too. I see. So stay put if I actually there, no need to change. If you still hold them, James, I would say yeah. I would say you, you've gone through a lot of the pain already. So Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sounds very interesting. So I hope the audience have picked up something here. Uh and uh I think this is a market that a lot of my former colleagues find it difficult to to do uh to to make sense and allocate and i think like what you said jerry maybe it's just time in the market just keep it keep it invested and diversifying to that market will be a good idea so uh, i think so as well james yes. yeah so uh until next time thanks for listening thank you james